Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideau, joined as always by the voice of all combat sports, the boxing legend, Teddy Atlas. We're here today at the Trinity Boxing Club in Lower Manhattan for a very special episode. Anytime we get to be recording in person is a treat, but we've got some killer fight plans coming up for you guys on the Regis Pro Grade Devin Haney fight, as well as the Andrade versus Benavidez fight. But with that being said, we've got some action to break down from this past weekend. Teddy, it's good to be with you. How are you doing? It's good to be with you. It's good to be at Martin Snow's place because Martin is, uh, you know, he's, he's a boxing purist. He, he owns two gyms in downtown Manhattan. They're great. Uh, but he's more than that. He's a good person. And he teaches white-collar boxing. He teaches boxing for kids. And he uses it boxing in a way that it should be used to bolster kids' self-esteem, their confidences, uh, to help make them better people. And boxing does that. That's the funny thing. A lot of people think that boxing, you know, does negative things like, oh, it's a violent sport or, you know, it deteriorates you. Those are only said by people that don't understand yeah, anything about boxing. In physical ways, they think it deteriorates. But first of all, it's done right. It's, it's about defense, it's about learning how to hit and not get hit. And look, it's a tough sport. There's no there's no getting around that. Football's a tough sport. There's no getting around that. You know, uh, life is a tough sport. No getting around that. Sure. You know, um, but what the sport really does is it teaches you that you can depend on yourself. And those things that you learn through boxing with the right people like Amon and Snow, you can take those through your courses of of life, through your travels in life, where it, it'll make you better, it'll make you more confident, uh, it, it'll make you better in, in many things, in, in all vocations, quite frankly. So, well, speaking of better people, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that we had a collection of some of the best people in uh, certainly in the New York area at the Dr. Atlas Foundation annual dinner this past Thursday on Staten Island. Great. Rob and I were there, obviously, with Teddy. But it was a who's who from Larry Holmes, uh, Chris Algieri, uh, I mean, the legends Paulie weren't just Paulie Malinaj, they were all there. It was Aaron Barkley, yep. uh, and then Tony Dancer and Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan, hilarious. Max Kellerman. Max Kellerman, uh, Chris Russo, Stephen A. Smith, yep. you know, Joe, uh, Sal Palantonio. Yeah. Uh, you could just go on and on and on. Fantastic. I'm night. blessed. I'm blessed that. Those special people come because they know where the money's going. Yep. And they know it's going to the causes. They know it's going to help people that, in many cases, have nowhere else to go to get help. They yep. fall through the cracks. And, and that they trust me they, because they do know where the money's going. And they're good enough to walk away from their busy schedules to come. Yep. Uh, you know, and, and give of themselves uh, in the way that they give. To me, that's what makes them special yeah. you know and look to be to be a good ball player a good fighter but you have to have talent yeah to be you know a good comedian uh to be a, a good um uh, all, all the people that were a good commentator all the people that were at the dinner yeah and you need talent there's no doubt about it but to have longevity to have a career to stay at it you need you need something else for that staying power. You know what there's someone else is? It's called character. Yeah. And every one of them that come there have longevity. And the reason they have longevity is they have enough character to care about other people. And that strength 
to come to my dinner year in and year out when it's not always convenient, uh, when they can make excuses not to come. That strength is, besides the obviously natural abilities that they were born with and that they've honed, that they work like son of a guns to develop, but those strengths, those abilities have allowed them to do what some other people with great talent don't do, yep. to have a career, yep. to stay around, to still be here. And, and again, to go back to boxing, that's one of the things that boxing gives you. It gives you, it gives you the ability to believe in yourself, the ability to, to just to know that even though you're afraid, even though that you have fears that everyone has, that you can control those fears and you can, you can go to a place that you never knew you could go to. And boxing helps guide you to, to finding that out, that, that you can be more than you thought you could be. Yeah. You can handle more than you thought you could handle. And that helps you, like I said, in all aspects of life. But getting back to the dinner, I appreciate you guys being there. I appreciate the thousand people that came there that bought a ticket, bought a table, and then went into their pockets for the auction items, the live, the silent, the, uh, the, the everything. Uh, I, I appreciate everybody. It was a special night. Uh, and then we had Kieran, uh, Kieran Sheehan, uh, the, the great, great, great Irish singer, Phantom of the Opera. Phantom of the Opera. He, he sang a couple songs. It's, it's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I would be remiss if I didn't give a special shout-out to Officer Frank Russo of the NYPD for providing Rob with uh, personal security at the dinner to make sure he didn't have to take too many pictures. Thanks to Officer Russo and his dad for being there. Um, just a collection of awesome people. You know, it, it, the, whole, the whole night is exciting like that. It never gets old. I love seeing all the fans, and uh, everyone was so and passionate the about the podcast. Oh, yeah. Right. And they all say to me, um, subscribe, please. You don't have to look at my phone. I'm already a subscriber. Teddy got me already. Yeah. I was like, all right, then. I was doing it. They were got me. <laughs> but, uh, and then the best part for me, I have my family there. Yeah, that yeah, was great. That's my son flew in from Vegas. I have my whole family. There. Yeah, my daughter, my son, you know, um, my my wife's uh, husband, her, uh, his family. Uh, you know, my Your wife's husband is that's you. Uh, no, I meant uh, <laughs> I meant to say. Uh, my brother? Uh, no, my my daughter's husband. Oh, I got you. to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> my daughter's husband had uh, his family was there. It was it was a great family. Yeah, nice guy. Uh, yeah, and and then uh, I had you know I had um, I had Elaine, my my wife's family there, Elaine's family there, her sister and uh, some of her nephews, and you know it's it's just nice. If you're gonna do something nice and something good. And what makes it really special is when you can share it. That's right. Uh, with people that are important to you. Yep. And I was able to share it. So, but again, uh, 27 years, 27 wow. years now, it's been, wow, we're, we're open. I don't think people understand how much goes into planning this thing. It's like a year-long event it's of planning and culminating in one night. But, um, yeah, great night. If anyone missed it. Guess what? We'll be back there next year, Thursday before Thanksgiving, and we'll run another giveaway. Love to sit with a couple more fans at the table. It was a fun night for everyone. We've got a lot of fights to break down and a lot of fights to preview. Why don't we, do you want to jump in with the, um, 
discussion of the Shakur Stevenson fight? Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it was, <laughs> what can you say? I mean, it wasn't a good fight. It was the boring. tough part, though, Teddy, is when you got a guy hyping and talking like a, like a ninja and he's going to do this and he's going to do that. And I'm not trying to pile on the guy. He knows it was a terrible fight from a fan's perspective. No, but but if you're going to talk like that. He really never likes good fights. That's fair. That's his style. That's his temperament. I've caught it here. He doesn't like it. He got mad because I point these things out. I'm, you know, it's ridiculous. <laughs> But I'll just say that like you've I'm said it. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm doing my job. I'm you, pointing out things. I'm not lying. I'm, and, and, you haven't discredited him as a fighter. You just said it's not a fan-friendly style, and that's pretty accurate. I don't think anyone would disagree. And, and I always say that your abilities are attached to your temperament. His temperament is to be careful. Nothing wrong with that. That's all right. But you, if you're going to be that careful, uh, you're, you're probably not going to be able to catapult yourself to the place where you want to be the face of boxing. Uh, and, and I'll give you the example. Uh, look, people would say, oh, Teddy, Mayweather was careful. Yeah, but, but Mayweather would go get you too. May, Mayweather, look what he did against Corrales, who was a terrific fighter and a champion in his own right. Uh, and, you know, he, he, would, he would go and get you. Look what he did with Arturo Gatti, who I love. And Arturo Gatti was the gunslinger at his and a tough guy, and a, and a good puncher, uh, and, and durable as hell. Uh, did he just stay away for 12 rounds? No, no, he went and got the guy. He did it responsibly. He did it with speed. He did it with swans. He did it with IQ. He did it with defense. I'm not saying you don't do it responsibly, but the desire to do it was there. I don't see the desire to do it with, with Stevenson, where that's the temperament part, where I don't see the... You know, and again, I say take a risk, but a responsible risk. I just don't see the just the talent attached to the urgency to show how great I am, or to to go to another place because I have the talent to go there and I want to find that. I, I see the temperament where. He's satisfied to do just enough to get by. And, and look, look, I know there's going to be people out there you, you're being a hater. You're a moron <laughs> if you say that about me. Because I don't do that. I've been around 15 years. I was with ESPN almost 30 years. I don't do that. I, I, but I do say what I believe, and I don't get influenced off of it. I don't get scared off of it. I don't get bullied off of it. You know, uh, a lot of times I can say things that would be easier for me. Yeah. You know, I, I'd have a job now. I'd have another job now. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, if, if I did do those things. But, but I decided not to because, you know, that, that's not being true to yourself. And, and that's not being authentic. And that's, uh, you know, it's just, uh, and there's a price for that too. Fortunately, at the end of the day, you know that why you made a choice of, t you did it just to continue getting paid. Yeah. I would, say that, liked. I would say this, when it comes to fighters of that caliber, fortunately or unfortunately, when you're making that kind of bread and headlining a show, there comes a responsibility of putting on a performance. And yes, your first goal is to win, but at some point you also have to be entertaining or people aren't going to want to come see you. It's like same thing with Demetrius Andre, Andrade. No one is interested. He doesn't make exciting fights. I don't know what the answer is, but if there's any critique, it's that people want to see action. And when you're in with a guy who you're a heavy favorite for against, 
they expect you to go and get them to your point. And I think that that's where his frustration then comes out as lashing out at anyone who's pointing no, this no, stuff out. His problem is beyond that. His problem, he's a spoiled brat that, that and, and listen, he won't be the first or the last one. But again, you want the truth, you get the truth. You want to call me a hater like an idiot or something? Go ahead. That, that's fine. If you, if you find yourself more comfortable to, fine. But I, I, I say it down the line. I don't pick spots. I say it where I believe it belongs. I, I have no bias. I, 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 I've, I've said things to, I have said things to friends of mine's fighters who managed, who are very close to me, that were not the greatest things uh, to say about their fighter, and they matter, and they're close friends with mine. And they were like, Teddy, did you have to say that? They were, they were like upset. Yeah. They were like, Teddy, did you have? Yes, because I was asked to speak on that, and I had a choice. I had a choice, either lie about it or say the truth. And, and it, so, either way. And you're not gonna lie to protect someone else when you're gonna lie to protect your own job. I'm gonna get blasted either way because <laughs> my, my friends who love me, they're still gonna say, I tell you, you shouldn't have said that, you know, whatever. And, and then the ones that one reason not to love me will say, oh, he's a hater. But at the end of the day, I'm telling what my 50 years of experience in this business tells me to tell. And I'm, I'm just abiding by a, a code of what, if you can't tell the truth, you should, you, you should be in the business. <laughs> well, that's why they don't want you there, because you don't have to tell the truth to be on TV, regardless of it's sports or politics. But I got to tell the truth, because that's right. what I get kids. Yep. And, and uh, being a father comes before being a commentator. That's right. And then teaching them comes before teaching you. As much as I want to teach the public as much as I can for what it's worth, and that comes first. Yeah. That does. So maybe that gives you a little bit of a light into it. But the bottom line is, when I say a spoiled brat, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited. I'm just saying a lot of these athletes are spoiled brats because they get their crew around them, they get people, they get insulated from, from the real world uh, because those people around them uh, to, to make money. Or, or maybe their payment is just to be uh, half famous, uh, to be around somebody who they think is famous and that it's fun to be around them. Whatever the payoff is, it doesn't always have to be a payoff in currency, yeah. in hard currency. It could be in other ways. Like I just described, being around somebody, and then you're you're, you're part of the you're part of that 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 entourage, and and that does something for you. But whatever it is, these got a lot of these kids, and he's still young. But a lot of these kids, they're so talented, and and Stevens is talented. He won a silver medal in the Olympics. They're so talented that they they get this sort of bubble around them with people that are yes men, people that, that are protecting from them, uh, you know, and they're telling them whatever they want to hear. So they get, so you, so if you tell them anything contrary to that, you must be an outsider, you must be an enemy. Yep. You must be an enemy. And, and instead of saying, well, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they should listen to it. Maybe there's something constructively critical about it where I can learn something from it. And, but, no, it's easier to go down the road of convenience. Yeah, and it's more convenient, and it feels better. And I, I get it. 
It does feel better if someone's just saying nice things. How great you are. It does. I know. I understand. But that's what I mean by sport of pride. They don't, they don't want to hear nothing. And then you're with one of the power brokers in boxing. There's only four of them, four or five of them, right? And they're with them. They're with top rank. And so you're getting paid, and they're not going to tell you anything. Yeah. Uh, so, you're, you know, so you're getting taken care of. You're getting a silver spoon treatment, you know, where maybe if you weren't getting the silver spoon treatment, you'd have to listen You'd have to listen because you'd have to improve in those areas. Otherwise, you'd be, you know what, out of luck. Crap, out of luck. And, and I'll bring up one guy for that, Marvin Agler. He didn't get the silver spoon treatment. <laughs> That's for he, sure. And, and so he had to listen to everything out there because he had to get there. Yep. And the only way he was going to get there was not by somebody just making the road a little bit smoother with, with the abilities they could use to make it smoother, picking the right opponents, giving them the right opponents, soft opponents, whatever. He was going to only get there by fighting really good, solid guys. So what did he do? He demanded from the Petronellis, his trainers and his managers, that you take me to Philadelphia and, you, and I, they got the best <laughs> middleweights in the country. That's you right. take me there. I want to And then, and you know how many promoters got told them, what are you bringing them here for fighting these freaking, where we have the best middleweights? He don't have to do that. said, why are you doing it? You don't have to do that. You know what the answer was? We do, because he told us to do it. <laughs> that's right. Because he wanted to find out how good Marvin Agler and that's why I talk about Marvin Agler to the esteem, to the level of esteem that I talk to him. Yeah. Because he, he made a decision to make himself that way. He had no choice. Well, let me ask you this. What about the X's and O's of that actual fight? Like, what did you see anything that he could build on? Any mis any glaring mistakes from Shakur? Like, what was your main takeaway after watching? It was very... Throw more punches. That's not the point. That work? I think... Throw more punches. That might work. I think the opponent set a record for literally look, fewest punches and, and on the box ever thrown. Before, before, you know, some of the geniuses out there jump in and say, oh, he had an injury. I don't know if he had an injury. I know that Aram. I know that Aram is saying that there might have been an injury. But I also know if Aram told me it was nighttime, I go to the window and look. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. I, I think he's. I think that's a fair statement. If, if Aram, if Aram told me that you know, uh, you know, the sun was up, I, I, I go and, and really be sure the sun was up. The other thing is, if you show up on fight night with an injury like you're in a fight business you should have been sparring to get there everyone's dealing with aches and pains and little like injuries for lack of a better term but to, to talk about it after a poor performance is just bad form like either you're either you're injured or you're ready to fight look he didn't show signs of injury but maybe the left hand was uh you know or whatever um whatever hand the the just the saying that was uh, that it could have been possibly injured. He's a southpaw, so I guess it would have been the lead right hand um, if, if they're talking about that. I, I, look, again, this isn't a drastic change of, of, of behavior or of style or of, of performance. He's had bad performances in the back. Yeah, he's a guy that's fast. Yeah, he's a guy who controls range and all that. But yeah, he's a guy that also does just enough to get by, won't take any chances at all. Look, Pinnell Whitaker, I talk about Mayweather, why he's right. I'm not knocking Pinnell Whitaker, and I'm not trying to knock him, I'm pointing something out. But Pinnell Whitaker was a great defensive fighter too. But he mixed defense with offense. He took chances. He, you know, he, he understood that 
he had that competitiveness in him, that, that whatever you want to call it, the it factor in him, in his temperament, where he was willing to push the envelope a little bit. And, and who am I to tell Stevenson you got to push that? I, I'm, I'm not it. I'm not that guy. I'm, I'm just telling you that if you want to be the face of boxing, if you want to be uh, the, the guy uh, that's going to, you know, get, get the huge fights and the huge paydays, and look, he's made plenty of money already because he has the big promoter. But if you want to be all of that, then you have to, you have to do, you have to do a little more. Uh, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard was a guy that you could have said that he had a silver spoon too, and I'll tell you why you could have said that. He won a gold, he, he didn't win a silver. He won a gold, and silver's great, but gold's greater. And he won it against, I mean, unbelievable competition with the Cuban. And, and he was part of maybe the greatest, I think the greatest Olympic boxing team of all time. The, the five gold medals, and, and four of the five that won the gold medal won world titles. Uh, went on to win world titles. And Howard Davis was the only one who didn't win a world title. And he probably should have been given one, one world title one of those, one of those uh, times that he did fight for a title. I think it was twice. But you, you have a guy like Whitaker, who, you know, uh, or Sugar Ray Leonard I'm talking about right now. You have a guy like Sugar Ray Leonard. Now, when I say Silver Spoon, uh, when he finally did turn pro, he was given more money than the average guy would be given, you know, to fight a six-rounder, to fight an eight-rounder. So he was put on to the network right away because he had, he had won a gold medal. He did, he did have uh, the, the powerful promoters behind him, the powerful people behind him. So, yeah, in that way you could say, unlike Marvin Hagler, you know, who didn't have... Uh, the gold medal to to get that silver spoon treatment. Uh, he was given that. He was he was getting maybe forty thousand dollars for his first fight, where someone else might get a thousand or maybe six hundred. All of that, but he spit that silver spoon out because his attitude, his temperament was yeah. He has speed just like like Sukor does. He, he had good eyes like he does. He had good judgment of this is good legs. He had all, he punched harder than Shukor, but he had all of those things. But he also had the desire to find out how damn good he could really be. I don't know if he has that. I, I, th I think that he might've gotten to a place where he's, he's just satisfied with, you know, uh, Say, freak you. you. You want me to take chance. I'm going to make sure, you know, he might go down the path and say, I'm going to make sure I'm talking right. I'm going to make sure when I'm all, I get it. I'm going to make sure that it doesn't happen to me what's happened to other fighters that, that went and did what Teddy wanted him to do and, and be more uh, interesting and more exciting and all that. I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not talking about that. I understand the dangers in this squared circle for everybody when they get in here. I understand, and I want you to be as smart as you can be, as clever as you can be. I'm saying he can be smart, he can be clever, and he could still do more. I agree. Uh, that, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about. And like I said about Mayweather, you know, he, he could have stayed on the outside and, and went the distance with, with, a, or with a Corrales, who was a good puncher, with a Gaddy, who was a good puncher. He, he could have done that, and, and he would have won every round. But he did it. 
He didn't because he knew that he could go do that. Yeah. He could go and get him and still be responsible. Yep. But he had that, that was part of his temperament. That was part of his makeup. It's, it's not part of this guy's makeup, but at least we haven't seen it so far. And, and I don't see that it has to be because he's always going to have someone around him patting him on the back saying, hey, hey, champ, you know, uh, you know don't listen to these idiots. <laughs> you know, just listen to us idiots, <laughs> you know, uh, yep. themselves. Well, on the, uh, on the co-main right before what, that. No, I'm oh, sorry. What I, I, the breakdown for that fight, I don't know if anyone needs it, but... The breakdown for the fight is simply, first of all, Dilos Santos was better than a lot of people knew he was going in. So I'll, I'll give you that. Uh, and I said it. That's I right. said it on our ass. That's right. I, I said, he, he's, he's going to be more competitive than people think. They were both southpaws. Uh, he, he's, he's got good hand speed. He knows how to fight. Uh, he, he's, he's a good, solid fighter. He only had one loss. I knew that that fight would be more combative, would go rounds and be more combative. So that was part of it. That was part of it. Part of the, the analysis of the fight and, and what actually went down inside this squared circle was that when Dilo Santos comes forward six inches, Stevenson does what he does. He goes back 10 inches. Yep. That's his style. And you said, what could he do better? Well, what he could do better is when he goes back, then make sure that every time you make the guy come up short, you counter it. Yeah. You, you, you counter it. You don't just make a miss. You actually come back with something. And if you can come back with two or three, don't come back with one. And I think that one day he's going to pay when he fights the right guy, if there is a right guy that they put him in with, he's gonna pay for that because he's predictable with it. And you know what, if I had a fighter fighting him, what I would do is first of all, fade him a little bit, make him make that step, and then trip up the chair. Why triple, Teddy? Why double, why triple? Because there's a gap, and one's gonna make you fall short. Two or three's gonna close the gap. You're actually gonna get to him. You're actually gonna get to him. And Dino Santos, doubled his jab, and they even looked to triple it a couple of times when it was doing that. He, he just didn't do it consistently enough. He, like, he, he didn't, you need to fight smart against Stevenson, but you always have to have a little urgency. Yeah. That, that, that you, you're going to get to him. Yeah. And you want to get to him. And the both of them, the fight, basically what the fight was, it was a fencing match without swords. You ever see a fencing match with swords? It ain't fun to watch. You need swords. And, and it, it also was like, a, some people are gonna say it was a chess match. Well, if you're gonna say it was a chess match, then you, you also got, if you're gonna be honest and you're gonna actually use that comparison, then you gotta say, all right, it was a chess match without any pieces on the board. <laughs> All right, uh, again, I'm yeah. you know, I being a wise guy. I'm just, uh, there was a chess match, but there were no pieces on the board. Yep. I, I, I don't know how you play chess that way. At the, at the end of the day, there was more posturing. Both guys were afraid to lead because they were both pretty good counterpunchers. So if you lead, you could get counted. Yeah. So they were both tentative about leading. Nobody want to give the other guy the upper hand. 
uh, to lead. So nobody threw. There, there were pauses. There were all those those things fires and mm -hmm. pauses during the fight. But there was a lot of looking apart, you know, standing there, staring at each other. But again, what I said to you earlier, what could he have done different? Twelve punches might have been a good start. <laughs> that, that, you know, that well, like, might not be. Uh, well, the guys in the co-main made up for it. <laughs> they certainly threw some punches. Did you? Um, I know you had a chance to watch that Emmanuel Navarrete and Robson Kensesau. Uh, majority draw, 113-113 on two cards, and one judge had it for Navarrete, 14-12. Uh, uh, Can I say one other thing about the fight? Oh, of course, of, of course. course. I'm being a little lean-spirited here. But I think that the one thing, if Aaron was as smart as he thinks he is, and he's smart, he's very smart, obviously, you know, but they should adjust. They, you know, you have certain, yeah, you have certain advertising and endorsement products with a fighter fights. Yeah. I think they had um, Bud Light, they had uh, uh, what a Monster Energy. Yeah, yeah, those, those kind of things. Adapt them to the style of the fight that you're gonna get that makes sense. You know, Salmon X, <laughs> my pillow. <laughs> I love to see you smile, okay, because he links. But I mean, adapt, adapt, adjust. Go back to Conseco and then Navarrete, please. Majority draw, Navarrete and Conseco. Navarrete retains his title. Uh, good fight. Good I fight. like this one. Great fight. Yep. Good fight. And uh, what do you think of the decision? You know, I, I think first of all the fans. And kind of like going to a restaurant. I hope they fill it up on the appetizers. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that was that was the appetizer, right? Yeah. I hope they fill it up on that because they starved <laughs> for dinner, right? Because there was no dinner. Yeah. But it's, it's, there was no dinner. The, and there was an empty point. plate. It's like a fancy restaurant when the meal comes out. You're like, where's the restaurant? No, it's fake. Yeah, it's fake. And you know what Ron was slow with, too? Ron was a big guy. Yeah. Big heart, great guy. Obviously, I think a lot of them, otherwise I wouldn't be bringing them up and yeah. giving them the, the kudos that I gave them earlier. But I do. I, I think a lot of them as, as, as a person. That he cares about the right thing. He said to me, I, I want to do more with the mental health areas to help people that are, we have a big mental health problem. Yeah, no kidding, we should yeah. do. And, and he wants to do something. He's using the gyms to try to do that. Yeah. To, to bolster people, to you know, make people most, you know, to secure them in the areas they need to be secured and all. But he's a big dude, <laughs> right? Real, yeah, he's yeah. like a honking type. Can you imagine giving him something? <laughs> That's what it was like going to the, yeah. to, to the Stamos and fight. <laughs> yeah, 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 they got in there, it was like- You were looking for a steak and they gave you the tasting menu. You got a little taste. But look, never at Conseco, um, terrific fight. Uh, a really good fight. It turned out to be a draw. Navarrete keeps his title uh, on a draw. I had Navarrete winning by a point. Okay, so one, one judge had it 14-12, so you were on the same page. Yeah, I had 114-113. Um, I, I thought that he had two knockdowns in a fight. Mm -hmm. I thought that was enough with the knockdowns and uh, some of the other rounds to actually put him a little over the top where he actually earned the win. But at the, in the end, he kept his title. Yeah. Um, which I think was fair. And I, the draw was fair. Conseco, two, two contrasting styles, where Conseco was 
a very conventional, solid technically, uh, really buttoned up fight. He can go get you, he can counter punch, he can time in punch with you. Good, solid fighter and, and physically strong. Um, and Navarrete, very awkward, very awkward, but very willing, uh, so tough, great chin. Like I said, very unorthodox. You know, he, uh, he'd come at you, then he'd go back, he'd go over here, go, you know, he, he's a difficult guy to handle. But Conseco was prepared. You know, he, he went to the body, he, he, he stayed steady. Um, like I said, he's, he's technically solid. He used his jab. It, it, it made a really entertaining back and forth, tremendous fight. It, it really did. And um, it was the fourth round, was one of the knockdowns. Uh, I just want to look at my notes. Uh, and also, and then I think the other knockdown, I think the other knockdown came in the, uh, in the seventh. So that's where the two knockdowns came. But Navarrete uh, would steal some rounds. I thought that Conseco would kind of be ahead in some rounds, and then Navarrete would steal him, a little like Sugar Ray Leonard did against yeah. Hagler, uh, would steal him by being busy at the end. Yep. You know, so there was so you had to have good judging. At the end, obviously, I think you have pretty good judging. Um, Navarrete was picking spots, getting in and out. Uh, you know, that's what he does. Uh, and then, and then he, he looks to apply pressure. Uh, I thought that it would be fair to say that Conseco was probably more consistent offensively because he's more traditional, yeah. more conventional, more standard, where the other guy's in, he's out, he's there, he's going to that, you know. So I think that, but the champion ever right did more damage. Yeah. And again, that's, uh, that's what I thought wanted from, for me, even though they give it a draw, uh, which again, you know, no, no, it's no harm, no foul. Uh, it, it, he keeps his title, um, and Conseco gets what he deserves. You know, he, he gets another big fight. Yeah. You know, which, which he obviously did. Uh, I thought the pressure that, that Navarrete brings in the started later in the fight, like the 11th round, started to wear down Conseco a little bit. Um, the 11th round, even though it wasn't a knockdown round, uh, Conseco barely walked back to his corner. Oh, yeah, he was on shaky legs. He, really sure. he didn't look very good. No, he really was. I mean, so he showed a lot of heart. Yeah, uh, Obviously, Navarrete, as I said, is, is, he, he's unorthodox. He's tough. He might be the next opponent for Stevenson. Most people think that uh, it's, again, another bad matchup because the style of Stevenson, you know, he won't let him get close to him. Yeah. You know, he hit him, move, he stay, and then fine. But I, and and of course, Stevenson's naturally big, and Everett has already moved up yeah. like three weight classes. But I, I wouldn't count Everett out. I really wouldn't because yeah. he's awkward, but he's awkwardly clever too. Yeah, and he's so tough, and he goes to the body, and he's got long arms. Yeah, I. I, I wouldn't count him. And, and he'd do something that Delos Santos didn't do. Delos Santos, good fighter. 
but he he didn't take chances. That's right. And 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 Nav- and Navarrete did. He didn't take chances. That's, That's for sure. Middle name. <laughs> middle name. Chances. Yep. Yeah. You know. So I. I that might want you know the fight I like to just jumping back to Stevenson. Yeah. The fight that I really would like to see. What's Take that? a guess. De Los Santos and Navarrete. I would no. I would like to see with Stevenson. Right. I would like to see Stevenson fight Tank Davis. Oh. No, no, I, really I don't think you'll ever get that. No, uh, there's a lot of people think the style would be bad for Tank Davis. That sounds bad for anyone. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I, I, I see. I differ. I think that <coughs> Davis is more, so much more than just a good puncher. And a guy who's sometimes aggressive. Yeah. He's a good boxer. No, you've been consistent with him for a long he's time. He's got a high IQ. I have. He's got a high IQ. He goes to the body. I think, he, I think that he would find a way to, to unravel the, the defensive style of Stevenson. I, I really don't. I don't think they'd ever put him in there, that they would put him in there with Tank. I just don't see, see that fight getting made unless both fighters demanded it. Um, but, well, that's a pretty thorough breakdown. No, no, those two, considering what was, uh, considering the action that took place, you want to um, quickly discuss the uh, main event over on the UFC last night? Yeah. yeah. So in the main event, Brendan Allen in with Paul Craig. <clears throat> Uh, Brendan gets the third round um, submission via rare naked, transitioning from, I think, a guillotine and transitioning into a rare naked. To your point about the chess and floor chess, this was like very much a chess match. A lot of strategic moves going on. Um, but I loved a, it. And there was a chess master. Yes. And that was the word. That's right. Chess master. That's right. You're right. That's a good depiction. Uh, Bo Dumb knew how to play chess. You know, like our friend Dunson Poirier. I know Jun Jin <laughs> You know, I love Dunson Poirier. But, but they know both know. But, but one of them was Bobby Fischer. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? That's right. Yeah, Brendan Allen gets the win. How'd you like the action? Well, I, first of all, Allen is, he is just, I think, probably been knocking on the door for this but introduced himself as the next, and there's so many monsters. I know. It's, it's, it's like Monster Inc. You know, right, right, grandchildren like that. Monster Inc. <laughs> it's Monster Inc. at the UFC. Mm-hmm. There's so many monsters. But he's just introduced himself, I think, as the next uh, monster uh, out there. And he didn't just get the win. He looked impressive, and he got the stoppage. And at the end of the day, that's what the fans want, and that's certainly what management wants at the UFC. They want and need exciting fighters and exciting fights. And uh, Brandon Allen helped himself massively by getting the stop, the stoppage. Uh, so to your point, yeah, I'd be curious to see where they go with him from here. Yeah, it's, he, first of all, he's, what I liked about Allen yeah, he's a guy that's really unbelievable uh, down on the floor. But Craig is damn good on the floor, and he went there and beat him there. Yep. You know, and, and demolished him there. Yeah. Uh, but he also showed glimpses, Allen, of the striking. That's right. Where he was explosive. He was good. Where he dropped Craig uh, a couple of times. Matter of fact, that was uh, at the end, that's how he got Craig to the to the mat where he then submitted him yep. by dropping him with, with strikes. He was explosive, you know, uh, damaging with the striking and, and placed punch as well. 
Uh, and just in spots, we didn't see a lot of it. But when we saw it, it was efficient, it was effective. It got the job done. Yep. And it, it helped him to get to the mat where he could finish the job, so yep. to speak, which he did. Uh, I'll give you the first uh, real quick rundown. The, the first round, Allen uh, got, got Craig on the mat, had position on top, and suddenly Craig, really, he, he showed that, as you said, he was also a chess player. Mm. Man, it was, it was really touch and go for a second there. It really was. because, And, and that's what I like about Al. He passed the test. Because he got tested there. Even though it was a dominant performance, because of that first round, Craig suddenly used his jujitsu, uh, turned the tables on him. He got a lock on his leg. And then Al escaped it. Was was pretty damn good. Yeah, the the way he did that, and um, he got to his feet. Uh, Allen scored another takedown and finished the round with you know control, uh, position control, winning the first round. Second round, Allen again got controlling position uh, on the mat. Uh, you know, just grinding Craig on the mat, making Craig concentrate on surviving. You know, and Allen dominated the round and started to do damage with elbows. And then the third round, which was the final round, turned out to be, otherwise it was, would have went five rounds, but he stopped him in the, he submitted him in the third round. Allen wore him down, went right back to attacking, uh, dropping him with a really a, a beautiful, I thought well-placed strikes to the body and head. Mm-hmm. That's what caught my attention. Yeah. And, and just really nice place shots. Um, and, and then he, he got back on top of him and, um, and he submitted him. Yep. So, you know, just a very impressive, dominant performance. Allen showed, uh, as I said, a nice mix of explosive striking, grappling, uh, even though it was primarily grappling, uh, and small spots like I said with just striking but when he did strike very effective again he's uh that UFC is monster ink and he's the latest monster yeah uh really to poke his head in there yeah uh big fight coming up next weekend back over to boxing we got the Katie Taylor versus Chantel Cameron rematch part two uh Katie Taylor suffered her first loss in the first fight that's the first time they matched up with uh Chantel so that'll be interesting but before we jump into that I know our friend uh Keith Sullivan the manager has a kid who's uh super exciting a lot of people high on him Patty Donovan 11 and 0 he's in tough against Danny Ball 13 1 and 1 um I know you have your eye on that fight and on uh, Patty Donovan as an up-and-comer, but they're putting him in, like I said, putting him in tough, giving him a step up in action against Danny Ball with only one loss. But he's yeah, you know, sometimes the, the, scared, the, the record doesn't necessarily tell the whole story. Ball's a good, well-rounded fighter. This is a good test for uh, Patty. Yeah, I mean, Ball, Ball just won the English title. Yeah. And what I like about Donovan is that he called for the step-up. He, he told... He, you know, he's got a good amateur background. First of all, he's got good managers. He's got good people around him. Keith Sullivan, who everybody knows, who follow our podcast, probably know by now, that he's one of the great attorneys that works with my foundation pro bono. Yep. That does, if you want to just, uh, not the one, but 
uh, does the special work. Yeah. Some people say God's work, but uh, I, uh, we, we're doing what we can do to help people. Uh, no more, no less than anyone else out there that's doing good work. But you have to have good people. I have to have good people around me. Keith is one of those good people yeah. that that helps us help people, uh, brings whether it's legal advice, whatever, to people that could never afford it. Uh, I also have David Berlin. I also have my daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh, when she got out of law school, she didn't have a job. Guess what her job was? Working for the foundation. <laughs> yep. Ask me what her pay was. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> Yeah, room and board. Yeah, and she did it for a year. <laughs> so, because our foundation, the money goes where it's supposed to go. Yeah, uh, and not to not to administrative costs, not to salaries. So, Keith, first of all, is a good human being, but he's also worked for the commission for years. Yeah, the New York State Athletic Athletic Commission. So he he knows boxing. Yeah. So he he's a good person. <laughs> you can trust him, which is always good. <laughs> and and he's a lawyer, so he can take care of all the contract stuff and negotiating it all. And he knows boxing. And he's got another guy who knows boxing as his co-manager uh, in, in, um, in um, uh, Andy Lee. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, the former middleweight, WBO middleweight champion, uh, who I caught his fights in the Olympics when he represented Ireland, and I actually caught some of his fights on the way up to ESPN. Another good person, and obviously a former champion, yep. so he knows how to get to where they're trying to go. Yep. Uh, so, Paddy Donovan has the right people around him, and I think they picked the right guy in Donovan because of what I just started to say. He's the one who insisted on this fight, not them. Yeah. Where. He said, look, he told both managers, I got 11 fights. I had a whole bunch of amateur fights. It's time to find out where I fit. Yeah. I, well, we don't need to take these hand-picked guys, these, these careful guys, these guys that just add to the racket, and they don't improve me. They yeah. don't teach me nothing. They don't make me any better. They don't let me learn about myself. Yep. And he, he, he told them, he said, you know, the manager works for the fighter. <laughs> he, he told him, hey, I, I, I want to fight this guy. I want to, I want to, it's time. 11 pro fight, and he's looked good. He's looked good. 11 pro fights is enough. Let's step up now and let's start, you know, doing what we need to do. Know exactly where I fit and exactly, you know, what I can do. Yeah, uh, and in deeper waters. Yeah, yeah. We already know I'm. I, I can swim good in the shallow water. Uh, that's see me in the deep water because I know I can. Yeah, and that's what they're doing. They're going into deeper waters. Uh, you got to have a fighter who wants to go there. You know, it reminds me of a guy who gets maligned, uh, and, I, and I by me sometimes. But of an Oscar Deloitte, and I'll tell you why, not as far as the talent or the style, anything like that, he didn't win a gold medal like Deloitte. But Deloitte, when he was coming up, he he fought good fighters. Yeah. He got to a certain, not like some of these guys, they, you know, they're, they're still fighting guys that uh, they're, they're light years better than, and meanwhile, there's no reason to. Yeah, they had yeah, 200 yeah. average to fight. You don't have to keep fighting these guys. Fight guys that are actually gonna develop you. Yeah. And, and make you, like I said, learn about yourself. Dilo Hoyer, he, he fought good fighters around the same stage Donovan's looking to fight better fighters yeah. uh, now. So I, I think 
I want to say that about De La Hoya. Um, that's what I like about that. And I think out of all, there's a renaissance going on right now in Ireland for boxing. The Irish were always huge fans, like the Mexicans are huge fans and great fans, you know, and we got all, all different uh, ethnic groups that are great fans of boxing. Well, Irish are one of them. But it, it went away a little bit. And now there's a, there really is a resurgence of it over the island with these fights, with these fighters, and like Katie Taylor and all of them. And with all the prospects, and there's a bunch of them, Dana Weiss involved with one. Yeah, uh, Killam Walsh. Yeah, that just fought recently, and they, they look good. Yep. Out of all of them, I'm going to make a strong statement here. Out of all of the ones that are in, uh, that you would put into that group of Irish prospects, Still coming up, eight fights, nine fights, in this case, 11 fights. I think he's the best one. Oh, interesting. Strong statement. Yeah. I now think, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I think he might be the best one at, at this stage yeah. of their career. He might be the best one. And I want to follow him. I want to watch him. And I just want to give him a little shout out. I'm saying Keith's a friend of mine, but I wouldn't. I think he knows. I wouldn't be saying it if I didn't think he had the goods. Yeah. Or the possibility of goods. It's still a long way to go. Yep. This is a tough business. <laughs> That's for sure. You know what I mean? But I, um... Well, before we, dis before we jump into the Katie Taylor fight, I just want to take a minute to give a quick shout-out to our number one sponsor, Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas. Use the promo code ATLAS, and they'll send you 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. I mentioned the travel pack specifically because that's what I'm using for this trip. I've been here since Thursday. I'm in New York for a couple of days. I fly to Boston tomorrow. I'm traveling a lot, but one thing that I always do when I'm traveling is make sure I stay up on all my vitamins and take care of my nutrition because ultimately you are what you eat. Whether it sounds cliche or not, it's the truth. And Athletic Greens is made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. These guys spend time with doctors and nutritionists refining and developing this product. And honestly, it's a best in class in terms of an all-in-one green drink. Take a scoop in the morning, mix it with 10 ounces of water, you're done. Consider it like an insurance policy for your body's health and immunity. Go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas to get the 10 free travel packs with your first purchase, Athletic Greens. What's that old saying, just to you know, piggyback off of that? And we don't, what I'm going to say is we don't try the product, believe in the product. Yep. And we do. And obviously, uh, and you're in a business that really benefits from it in the, yep. in the running business. But that old saying, you know, your body is your temple. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, and, and then I'll leave with this. You said enough. But even if you're not an athlete, doesn't make a little sense to take care of your body? <laughs> because, because maybe the oldest saying of all, and the old timers used to tell you, and you didn't pay attention when you were young, say the most important thing is your health. If you don't have health, you have nothing. And you say, yeah, yeah, okay, old man. You know what? And then all of a sudden, like God, you start getting a little older. You start, and and you know, I, I, I wish nobody had to go through this, but you start to see some people that didn't take care, and I've seen some that I've grown up with that didn't take care of themselves quite the way that, you know, that we, we all make mistakes, right? We, we all do, but might not have taken care of, did, didn't take care of themselves properly. And you look at them and you say, oh my God, you know, they, they might have money, 
they might have had success, and, and I know a lot that have, but they don't have the health. That's it. I mean, so they say a rich man has a million problems and a sick man has one. Talk to someone who's sick, even with the flu. They'll tell you, I'll give up everything to be healthy again because there is nothing worse than being sick. Take care of yourself. We can joke about it, but it's the truth. You are what you eat. If you don't take care of yourself, you're leaving money on the table, not putting good whole food into your body. Even if you want to eat junk food, cool, but make sure you're getting the bare essentials before you start feeding it junk. Um, let's talk about Katie Taylor and a rematch against Chantel Cameron. I love Katie Taylor, first of all. I caught her fights in Olympics for NBC when she won a gold medal. And, um, and, and how can you, I tell you, you gotta love her for her ability, her grit, uh, everything about her, but her competitive spirit to want to take this rematch oh, yeah. after she lost. She fighting a girl bigger than her, stronger than her, more physical than her, and uh, she lost to her. Definitely there was, you know, yeah. the fight to her. Uh, took a lot in that fight. Fights the way she always does, you know, with everything, with competitive, but uh, Cameron, uh, you know, I'm not gonna say dominated the fight, but controlled that fight. For sure. Um, Katie took damage in that fight. Katie's 37 years old. Um, like I said, I, I give her a lot of credit. There's a reason why I talk so highly of her. I, I talk about, we talked about Steven said earlier, that it's not just about talent, it's about your desire to be something special. She's got that desire to be something special. Yep. And it's not just about your talent, it's about your temperament <laughs> that kind of directs that talent the way it's gonna be used. Yeah. Her, yeah, she boxes smart, but here she is, her character, her temperament is directing her into another dangerous fight. And then some of the statements are, I know she's stupid then. <laughs> she hasn't been too stupid because she's one of the greatest female fighters of all time. Oh yeah, you know. As a matter of fact, she she's on a list with Clarissa Shields, Layla Ali. My list: Layla Ali, Serrano, um, Holly Holm, because of uh, of what Ali did when she transitioned to the MMA yeah. and UFC, which was pretty extraordinary. And then uh, one of my favorites, Christy Martin, who uh, might be the greatest pioneer of the sport, yeah. you know, really. And there was another one no one talks about, Cat Davis uh, didn't fight the kind of fighters that did, but she was, she was, she was in the early stages of, of women boxing many years ago when, when it wasn't popular like it is yeah. today. But Chrissy Martin, definitely a pioneer. Katie Taylor, to take this fight, it, it, speaks, it just speaks volumes of what she's all about. Yeah, that that's you know she can go some other direction, uh, but she's gonna she's she's gonna test herself. She she's gonna answer to herself, and and this is in our in our world this is answering to herself. Yeah, she she has the options. She's a big draw on Island. Uh, they're doing a great job over there. Her and all the other guys that that have been part of the renaissance of boxing over in Island that I talked about earlier, but. She definitely could have opted for somebody lighter, easier, mm -hmm. but no. And um, I think it might be to her demise 
because as much as I love her, as much as she, I also got to give a lot of credit to Chantel Cameron. Yeah. She, she's not only strong, she's naturally bigger, she's younger, mm-hmm. um, but she's also technically solid. She's aggressive, but in a responsible way. Yeah. She, she buttoned up. Mm-hmm. She buttoned up uh, as far as the, the proper rudiments of boxing. Yeah. And I just see it as you can never count out a, a, a Katie Taylor. And like Customato said, used to say to me all the time, you have a former champion who's on the other side of their career in the twilight, which I think Katie is. Uh, but there's one thing, on one given night, you never know if that former champion can, can bring, can evoke all the things that they once were and bring it together for one night. Yeah. For one night. Maybe that'll be their last stage yeah. for one night. So she would need that. Yeah. Because it would be hard for me to pick Katie Taylor in this fight, except that her great character, what I just talked about, unless she could do that. Yes. Yeah. I wouldn't count her out of the chance of doing that. But I just think that Cameron is just, in the first fight, was too big, too strong, um, and, and good at the same time. And I, I, I would, if I had to pick, you know, if we weren't doing on my booking uh, segment, I, I'd have to go again with, with Cameron. Um, look, Katie's at home. That's 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 gonna help her. Yeah, with her with the crowd there, you know, behind her. But uh, she's she took on another, which she does. But she took on a just like when she fought Serrano. Yep. She took on a monster there. <laughs> yeah, that's. Uh, and then she won that fight, and she had to come from behind to win that yep. fight. You know, uh, I I think between the Serrano fight and the Kyron fight, she's been taking a lot of damage in those yeah. fights. And I see some slippage. Yeah. I do. I see some slippage. And again, I think she's 37. I want to be accurate about that. But I believe she's 37 years old. Yeah, I have it written down here. I want to make sure I was accurate. Don't forget the fight that she had with the, um, what was it, the Danish woman. I'm, I'm spacing on her name. Pantoon, or she had a really close fight on the on the Ruiz A Anthony Joshua undercard that Rob and I went to, like a real battle that most people thought she lost, but that was a war. Um, I, I'm spacing on that girl's name, but so she's been into your point, like really tough fights. I mean, a lot of her fights are really tough. She's just not afraid to sit in the parking and exchange. No, no, not at all. But she's a good boxer. Yep. She's a good counter puncher. She got good legs, um, but. Again, she's 37 now. Yep. And she probably, to your point, she probably sits in the pocket a little more than sometimes she should now. Yep. A little bit more, part because of her heart, her competitiveness, and part because the reason Muhammad Ali, later in his career, sat in the pocket a lot more than he yeah. should have. Yep. You know, he couldn't use those wheels. That's right. You know, the way that he used to be able to use them. At the end of the day, um, at the end of the day, like I said, I think that, and, and, she makes good fights. Mm. Cameron makes good fights. You know, so so does Katie. Yeah, you know, you don't, you know that it had to have those dimensions to it for me to be mentioned because it's not often I'd highlight a woman's fight. Yeah, I'm against it. Yeah, but but because really it's just not enough significant ones out there. Honestly, that's right. You know, to really That's highlight her. This, this is significant. That's a good one. 
Uh, Teddy, before we sign off, two other fights that I missed, I apologize, that I meant to discuss with you. Uh, Nick Ball gets a, a decision win over Isaac Dogbo. I know you had a chance to watch that. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it wasn't for you guys. For you. For you. For you. Uh, because there's going to be someone out there that would like to hear about it. I know. And uh, all complain that we didn't cover it. <laughs> you can understand that pain. <laughs> Where we could cover, you know, we could cover... 452 acres of uh, fights, and then the, the, that, that one little corner of, <laughs> over there that uh, we didn't The one that we missed from Bologna, Italy. <laughs> uh, Dogmo versus Ball. Uh, ball is just kind of what his name suggests. He's a little ball of fire. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a shorter guy. He's, he, he comes to get you, he comes to fight. He throws a lot of punches, and he outworked uh, Dogbo, the former champion. Uh, Dogbo was bigger and longer. Uh, he he should have probably fought more on the outside, but he's he's always older. Yeah. I don't know if he can anymore. <laughs> but he's been in a lot of tough fights. But he probably should have used his his length to, and size to fight a little more on the outside. You know, using the jab, setting up counters, um, because. Boy, as I just said, the shorter man has to come to him to be effective, and he came to him. Yeah. And he came to him, and he kept coming to him. Boy reminded me a little bit of another European fighter, a fighter from England, uh, Ricky Adwood. Oh, yeah. Who I like. Yeah, yeah. I always liked him. Uh, just a busy, aggressive style, goes to the body. That's that's what Ball does. Ball covered up, put the earmuffs on, blocking a lot of the shots. A lot of them were blocked. Um, but at the end of the day, blocked or not, Bull just outworked him. Yeah. You know, he scored a knockdown in the fourth round. Uh, Dog Bull, uh like I said, blocked a lot of punches, but Bull, at the end of the day, just badly outworked him. Uh, skip ahead to the ninth round. Dog Bull was still dangerous where ball's always coming, 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 taking chances. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's uh, about that. A lot of so, common theme this weekend. <laughs> you know about that, Ken? Yeah. Some people don't take too many chances. Um, but anyway, uh, obviously it'd be a fan favorite kind of style of ball. Uh, but though ball was, was still dangerous, and he timed ball with a left hook as he was punching really beautifully and Dogbo's punch went inside as Ball was throwing his own left hook and and it really it showed me Ball's got a good chin. Yeah. It impacted him. It hurt him a little, but but he handled it. Um but it, it was beautiful timing by Dogbo, but it was too little too late. Uh it was too far behind if he didn't drop him or yeah. knock him out. Uh he also tried later in the tenth round Dogbo uh, to tie him with a right hand. Uh, again, he was way behind, so he was he was just trying to pull it out of the fire. Yeah, that that's what the fight became. It became yep. a one-sided fight that way. But there was some theater and intrigue because Dog Bo was looking at Tyler. Yeah, and, and was a former champion and could punch. So there was it still kept you kept you there. You know, it kept you there. Uh, unlike. The fight we were talking about earlier that did not keep you there. <laughs> it, it kind of made you look for the exit. 
you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, I mean, it's not a good sign when you go to a fight. You say, "Where's the exit?" <laughs> that's that's not really a good sign usually. Um, but with bull, you don't you don't look for the exit. You you want to stay there to the last drop, and the people who stayed there to the last drop. Um, and dog bowling was still dangerous to the to the very end. But uh, ball ball really uh, he he. He, he he dominated him uh, as far as punch output and all yep. that. And then, uh, you know, go ahead, you introduced the second one. Yeah, the other one. The main, which I think was the main one. Yep, the other one we wanted to touch on. Uh, Nathan Henley scores the massive upset over Denzel Bentley, gets the majority decision, which is funny because one judge had it 114-114, and the other two judges had it seemingly correct uh, with a big uh, upset victory for Henley. No, I don't know that they had it correct. I'll tell you why. Oh, okay. Only because, they, I mean, they had it correct. Haney won. You're right. Haney, Haney won a fight. I don't think it should be a draw, but it was close. Okay. It was close. Um, it wasn't by any way means, if you gave it big, 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 big to Haney, then you were giving it to the, to the hometown favorite. Gotcha. That, and, and that wasn't a game. Haney deserved the fight. He deserved to win it. <laughs> He fought a brilliant fight for the way that he fights. I think he's 18 and 0 now. I think he was 17 and 0 going in. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And I think Bentley was 18, 2 and 1. Um, and Bentley was a big favorite. Yeah. Uh, first round, I'll give you a quick running breakdown. Uh, explosive. Both looking for big shots and throwing them. Both of them. And and there were, you can feel you can feel it in the air. Yeah. It's like the, there's there's um. Uh, uh, there's, there's sparks in the air. Yep. Like they're they're really looking to 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 bang each other out. Haney looking for the right hand, uh, on to jab, uh, and he and he was coming in with it. And Bentley was looking to catch him, and and he just was missing him. Uh, both both were taking turns coming forward. Second round, Bentley decided he was going to be the guy coming forward, and it was Haney trying to counter him. Uh, Haney was bigger, a uh, strong guy. Uh, Bolt were looking for right hands. In the third round, Haney, uh, in the fourth round, Haney started to box a little bit more. I thought that was the turning point of the fight. Maybe. Yeah. Because, well, actually it was two turning points, but that was the main, the first turning point because he realized that he couldn't just keep coming at him and standing in front of him, so he started to use his legs. He started to mix it up. He started to, to box a little bit, and that, that brought him a lot of rounds and kept him from maybe getting hurt. Yep. Uh, it was smart. It was really smart. I don't know if his corner was the one who suggested it, but if they did, they deserve credit. Uh, so he started to box uh, using his legs, moving, picking spots, uh, Mixing up, like I said, coming forward, uh, you know, mixing it up rather than just coming forward, tr- trying to be less predictable and harder to hit, which he was. Fourth round, Bentley pressing the fight now, pure aggression. Fifth round, Haney um, moves, then he stops, fires off a few shots, then he moves again, and I made a note to myself, it's serving him well. Mm. Serving him well. Um, nice fifth round for him. Haney 
I thought looked a little bit like another fighter from Europe from years ago. He won the he won a title, uh, Carl Frock. Yep. This was I think for the British title, by the way. But he he looked a little like Carl Frock, a strong guy yeah. uh, that that's aggressive, but he can box a little bit, uh, and he's better than he looks. Mm-hmm. Like he uh, Frock looked like a guy that was a little stiff, and and you probably wouldn't maybe think that highly of him, but he got the job done. Mm-hmm. He, he, he did things right in there, and, and he uh, had a hell of a career at the end. Um, he was boxing, beating uh, Bentley to the draw. He was a little quicker. I thought that served him. And the thing that I thought hurt Bentley was Haney was tying him up every time they got in close, yeah. which makes sense for him. Yeah. Because, uh, Bentley was, you know, uh, was they, it was was dangerous, uh, so he would tie him up and close. I always say it takes two to tangle. It takes two to get tied up. Uh, you, you don't have to let a guy tie you. You don't have to go along with it. Yep. You take a step back. You push off. Mm-hmm. You keep your head. You rotate your shoulders. Create a little room. Bentley didn't do that. He cooperated with him a little too. I didn't hurt him. Yep. In the end, I thought that it hurt his course. Um, Bentley then went to purely trying to break Haney uh, down, which he was doing through most of the fight with pure pressure, trying to break him down. Eighth round, Bentley came out and landed a big right hand, and Haney took it well. He showed the chin that you're going to need if you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be a champion. Um, Bentley was stepping it up, uh, and this, this round, the eighth round, was that second turning point I talked about, where if Bentley doesn't get to him, I, I made this note to myself, I said, Bentley's really turning it up. And if he doesn't get to him right here, because he's trying to, he, he's trying to get to break any down. Um, and if Haney, if he doesn't get to him here, and do the damage that he's, because he was kind of like a, in the casino putting all his chips in. Mm-hmm. It just felt like one of those rollers. Yeah. Like, uh, he pushed all his chips in right here. And I felt like if he doesn't get to him and do real severe damage here, that I was gonna, it turned out I was right. Mm-hmm. I made a note to myself because I, I'm not commentating no more. <laughs> if I got to talk to myself, <laughs> right? And so I made a note to myself, if he doesn't do it here, Haney's gonna get his second wind. Uh, in the next round, and um, and he's going to wind up winning because uh, you know because he didn't make the most of that moment. Like he got through it. Yeah. And he's going to wind up winning the fight. And sure enough, um, that's kind of what happened. Haney, you know, either either he's going to get to him in that eighth round and continue to break down Haney, you know, to wear him down, wear him down, or he would. Uh, you know, the, the the attempt to break him down would have went for naught. Yeah. And uh, the second win would come to Haney, and he would ride that second win, I thought, at that point, uh, the remaining rounds to a win. He yep. did. He rode that second win. There were still moments there, but he rode that second win, and he rode it home. Tenth round, Haney uh, definitely showed that second win. He looked refreshed. Um, he started to counter beautifully, punching, moving again. Bentley uh, slowed down a little bit, 
Maybe he got a little discouraged. It was a tough fight. Yeah. But back and forth. Um, he didn't get to him. So maybe he got a little psychologically uh, discouraged there. But Bentley was still looking for the big shot. Uh, and then uh, at the end of the day, uh, a great, a, a really a good fight and a great scene. Ken, that scene was what sports is all about, what laying it on the line is all about, what believing in yourself, what having a dream is all about. Really, that crowd, that home crowd started singing and the, and Haney sung with them yeah. in the rain. He was singing with them coming in, mm. but they used the same song why, 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 Delilah? <laughs> why, 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 Delilah? And there's no why, why, why I'm not a singer. And why I'm in the boxing business. That, yeah. that, that's been eliminated. But, it, it, again, it, meant, it, it, it touched me enough to make a point of it. That that, that atmosphere really is, is why people get into sports to yeah. to reach their dream to fulfill their dream to have that moment to have that moment and that's why i say to people and you've said it too um where if you believe in something go take the risk go because better to have taken the risk and to have a chance for that moment to to have lived our entire life maybe in a safer way maybe in a safer more protected way but when you will never feel that you will never have that moment where you find out that, <laughs> wow, this is, this is my moment. That's right. And then you can share it with the people you want to share. And it's, it's, you're better off taking that risk, at least I feel that way. Oh, that's sure. To have a chance to have that, then to have a lifetime of not taking chances, being, being safe, you know, staying away from, from the, from, that you could lose and that you could, you know, come up short. But to have that moment, so if, if you guys got a chance to, whatever it is that, that, that is your desires, whatever it is that's your dream, whatever it is, go for it. That's go, right. Even if you fall short, go for it. That's right. But rather than live a life where you never have a chance to have that moment. And it was just pure joy and triumph. Uh, a lifetime's dream, I wrote it down. It was a lifetime's dream realized. And what a faithful crowd that was celebrating with them. Uh, he won the British title. Unbelievable. It was, it was just, it was, I think Tom Jones sang that song, Why, Why, Delilah, I think so. <laughs> I think it was him. I'm, I'm not sure, but boy, it, it played really well yeah. with that crowd. Again, Fritz loved to sing. That song, <laughs> but man, it played well uh, at that moment. Kind of like that song you always hear too, uh, overseas, over in Europe, over in England, a lot of times. Uh, what's sweet Caroline? Sweet Caroline. <laughs> yeah. Right. This this was a change. Yeah. A change. It was. Uh, anyway. Well, that was a pretty thorough breakdown of a lot of different action. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all the fights from this coming weekend. Thanks for being with us. Please like and subscribe to the video below. We appreciate you guys. Have a great week, everyone.